I want to take a moment to welcome those who are with us today. We're glad that you can join us and be a part of our worship today as well. Our Gospel is from the third chapter of Matthew, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was, be, where he was baptizing, he said, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God will raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry." He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. A couple of props with me today. We'll see how this works. <coughs> I might be able to break the altar or something with it. Invite you to uh, pray with me the Holy Spirit prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, by the light of the Holy Spirit, shucks the hearts of the faithful. Grant that by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I am probably not the first preacher to admit that there are simply days and weeks in the midst of our ministry work where we experience writer's block. I can pretty much tell you that as of this hour yesterday, I had really no significant theme that I was even considering for today's sermon. I really didn't know where I was going with today's text. That was 24 hours ago. And it's days and weeks like this when I experience what I call writer's block. I wonder what it must be like for a novelist who's had that world-class novel and then all of a sudden they just, it, the light goes off and they don't know what to write anymore. And I think in a certain sense, I, I experience that once in a while. And it's days and weeks like that that I appreciate reading and allowing the wisdom of others to speak. Frederick Beekner has written that there is a God right here in the thick of our day-to-day -day lives who may not be writing messages about himself in the stars, but who is in one way or another trying to get messages through our blindness. And that's kind of how I felt these last couple of days, kind of having a sense of blindness. 
He says, there's a, there's a God out there who is in one way or another trying to get messages through our blindness as we move around down here, knee-deep in the fragrant muck and misery and marvel of the world. I love some of his descriptive words and just so poetic. I love this insight where he says there is a God, one way or another, who's trying to get a message through our blindness. For me, as I hear that, that is a word of relief and a word of grace to me. I was also encouraged by the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in our Romans text today, where it says, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ. It's, 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 it's comforting to know that we can always return to the scriptures where we continually hear about the steadfast love of the Lord and it continues to give us a sense of hope. Even in the midst of those times in our life when we have this sense of blindness where we're not sensing and hearing God speak to us. And I'm still amazed that God continues to speak through the most unusual and the most unlikely people in this world. John the Baptist can certainly be listed amongst some of the most unusual and unlikely spokespersons for God. For many, he is known as the last Old Testament prophet. And much of what John had to say, I don't know if you were listening today, But much of what John the Baptist had to say can oftentimes be heard as something that comes across on our ears as something very harsh and in-your-face. John was an in-your-face kind of guy. And one of the most disturbing images that we contend with as we hear John speak is this image of the one who will come with a winnowing fork. Now this is the closest thing I could find to a winnowing fork. Hmm... He's coming, the one who's coming with a winnowing fork, separating the wheat, separating the wheat from the chaff. And oftentimes, what is the image that we see? We kind of see this this winnowing fork. It's like we see and we have conjured up these images in our mind of this judgment and this condemnation. You know, this is pretty threatening looking, isn't it? But perhaps it's not so much about judgment and condemnation. Could it have a deeper meaning that reveals a cleansing and a discernment? That this man who's coming, this Jesus who's coming, he's coming with his winnowing fork so that he can cleanse us and that he can help us discern who it is that we are in the eyes of God. Deb Thomas, another one of my favorite authors, she helped me with this. When she wrote, she said, to judge something is to see it clearly. To judge something is to know it as it truly is. Could it be, could it be that the Messiah that John is speaking of is the Messiah who is coming who really sees us. That Jesus really sees us for who we are. And that part of that whole 
cleansing process is to clear away that chaff, to expose that kernel, that clean. Bob would know what I'm talking about. He's a farmer from North Dakota. He knows what a clean kernel of wheat looks like. You all know what a clean kernel of wheat looks like. And that's what Jesus is here for us. He's here to remove all of that outside, tough, husky stuff. That stuff that kind of gets stuck in your teeth and irritates your gums, you know. And he gives you that clean piece of wheat kernel that we are meant to be. And that's the purpose of the winnowing fork, to clear away the chaff from our lives, that we can be seen for what we are truly intended to be. Not only can we be seen for what we are truly intended to be, but we can then live out more fully that for which we were intended, that we might live out our child of Godness. That's why Jesus came into the world, so that he could remove all of that chaff from our lives, so that we could become that child of God that he has always meant for us to be, so that we might be able to live out what we are intended to be, that we might be able to live out that child of Godness that God truly sees in us each and every day. You know, growing up in South Dakota, one of the distinct memories that I have in my youth was a fall ritual. My grandmother lived about six houses away from us, just up the street, and she had this large double-wide lot. It was a big, big yard. I mean, two lots in South Dakota is a lot. And we gathered as a family, and we literally gathered as a family, my mom and my dad and all my sisters, and we all had our winnowing fork. We all had our winnowing fork, otherwise known as a garden, as a leaf rake. And every fall, we began that cleansing ritual, that cleansing ritual of raking up the dry, dead leaves off the lawn. And perhaps one of the most rewarding things about that whole process, as much as we dreaded that day, as much as we just sort of like, oh, do we have to go and mom and wake that lawn over grandma's house, you know, because we knew it was going to take all day. Perhaps one of the most rewarding things about that whole process, there were two things. We would always rake all those leaves, and as we would rake those leaves, we'd rake them into huge piles. We'd have piles that were this high and this wide, you know? This high and this wide, because that's what the kids love. We'd be landing on this pillow-soft pile of leaves, and we buried ourselves. We literally buried ourselves in the leaves and just breathed in the essence of the earth. Can you smell it? Can you smell it? The second most rewarding thing was after that hard work was done with all the leaves being gathered into large garbage bags and placed on the curb of the street for the garbage man to come by and pick up. Ah, We kind of took the time to rest on our rakes and looked out across that yard with a great sense of satisfaction. And we saw this beautiful lawn revealed again. It revealed a cleansing We saw a resurrected lawn with its tints of green and brown and gray. The winnowing forks, the winnowing forks 
had done their intended work. The death of the leaves that blanketed the lawn had been, had been removed, restoring the lawn to the light of day. The chaff of the leaves had been removed, revealing the lawn in all of its beauty as it was intended and meant to be seen. So as you allow yourself, I'm sure that you were imaging, you must have been imagining that. All of those of you who have lived in those areas of the country where you know what it's like to have fall leaves on the ground and what it means to rake, I know that you've had that image just conjured up in your mind as I've described that to you. So just let that image seep into your imagination just for a moment and then hear these words offered to us by Deb Thomas. Imagine yourself cleaning that lawn and hearing these words. Maybe the winnowing fork is an instrument of deep love, patiently wielded by the one who discerns in us rich harvest, still hidden by chaff. Maybe it is in the offering God. Maybe it is in offering God every particular of our lives that we give him permission to clear us to separate all that is destructive from all that is good and beautiful and worthy. Maybe it is in offering God every particle of chaff of our lives that we give him permission to clear us. The Gospel of John declares that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world might be saved through him. Can we even begin to comprehend how deep and how wide and how abundant God's love is for us that Jesus comes to us not, not with an eye of judgment or condemnation, but rather that Jesus comes to us and sees us for who we were intended to be. That Jesus comes and sees us at the core of who we are, are meant to be. That beautiful, clean grain of wheat. You can all see it, can't you? That's what you and I have been meant to be all along clean and clear of the chaff. And Jesus brings the winnowing fork not as an instrument of judgment and condemnation, but as a deep, wide, and abundant instrument of love that helps discern in us the rich harvest of who we are. His winnowing fork is instrument of deep love. It cleanses us and it reveals the grain that we were meant to be, a child of God, a child of God, living each day through the cleansing and the rebirth of baptismal grace. May we allow Jesus to daily cleanse us, daily cleanse us with his winnowing fork of deep love, clearing the chaff from our lives daily so that not only does Jesus see us for who we really are, but that we can also see ourselves for who we really are, children of God. And may we live with the promise, may we live with this promise that absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing 
will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And now I invite you to join me as we pray together the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Go in peace and tell what God has done.